Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. You can take a person and uh, teach them how to make something or they enjoy doing something. And then they take that passion and grow it into a successful business, you know, like say Mrs. Fields, like that was one of the first stories I ever heard that really inspired me as a young girl to realize that, you know, it's possible to take something as simple as baking cookies and make an empire out of it. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Hey, if you missed the last episode, 194 with Inbull Claudio, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because I think it actually is a great segue into the conversation that I'm presenting to you today. With Inbull, we talked about the idea that she has, not just an idea, she's actually making this happen. She's launching it summer of 2021 called Like-Minded Collective, where she will take uh, basically people who have a brand or a small business or an influencer and put them all on one platform so that you can network with one another specifically for you to take your product, get it into the hands of an influencer so that they can then share it to their audience. Well, today we're featuring a conversation with Maria Lauren. She's the owner of Willow and Bee. It is a jewelry company started in 2007, and they specialize in high-quality, classic, timeless, and faith-based jewelry. Now, her products were made at home, started selling them on Etsy, added Amazon Handmade, created her own website, and now is sold in a national retail store. So I'm trying to help us in these two episodes connect with how you can take your product, get it into the hands of an influencer, and now get it into national retail stores. You are going to absolutely love this conversation with Maria. She is the sweetest person ever, so kind, and she just creates this peaceful environment. Ah, I just spilled water all over my desk and my gear. It should be okay, though. All right. Oh my goodness. I, I, this is just real life. I just got so excited about Maria and like what she's doing that I knocked over the water. Okay. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. All right. So, um, make sure you check out Maria's jewelry and her podcast handmade CEO, which 
I had the honor of being featured on. Super thankful for that. Um, If you like this episode or any of the episodes in the Inspiration Rising, will you please share it with a friend? Will you tell them, hey, check out Inspiration Rising. This guy, Dave Trotter, features these incredible female entrepreneurs and leaders who are sharing their experiences and wisdom, and he knocks over water while he's talking. It's just like the best ever. Yeah, it is. Tell them to check it out on their favorite podcast app. Search Inspiration Rising. Click subscribe. Leave a review. I'd love it. Hey, okay, I got to clean up this water right now. You guys are awesome. Let's jump into my conversation with Maria Lauren. Well, Maria, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I want to hear your story um, because every entrepreneur has kind of a unique backstory of how you got into doing what you do. Um, Was Willow & Bee your first business or did you have another business prior to that? Uh, You know, technically it was my first business. When I was younger, I did... um, create small uh, dresses for Barbies and I would sell them at school. So I don't know that that was technically a business, but that was really the first time I started, you know, selling something. But uh, my journey really started when my kids were at school, they were going to Catholic school and um, I helped out with one of the, uh, the galas, the auctions that they were having and the preschoolers needed help in putting together some rosaries. So I thought, you know, I can help with that. And I helped them do this. I had never done this before. So um, we put together some beautiful rosaries and through that process, some of the parents asked me, you know, could you make some for me? And um, they were really specific with wanting birthstones and, you know, really a custom rosary. So I said, sure, I could do that. And that of course that led into me creating um, jewelry pieces. So slowly, you know, I started to um, really consider the idea that maybe this could be a business. Um, You know, the proof of concept was there since I was having so many people ask. And uh, the first thing I did was opened up an Etsy shop because it was fairly new at that point. And um, I thought, well, this seems like a really easy way to get started. I do. I have to admit, I did sell a few things on eBay, you know, like just extra things that we didn't need around the house anymore. And um, I was familiar with listing things. So I, it, this seemed very similar. You, you know, took pictures and you listed things. And one of the first things I sold was actually just a rosary that someone said, can you make this for me? And I said, yes, but will you buy it from Etsy for me? And they said, sure. <laughs> So that's kind of how uh, we got that, you know, going with with that first sale. And of course, my friend um, left a raving review and I thought this was perfect. Um, So that's how I got started. But, you know, it it was a little shocking in the beginning because um, First Communions are very seasonal. The majority of them take place over the first few months of the year. So I did not realize this. So come like June, July, August, everything was so quiet. And I thought, boy, what am I doing wrong? I thought maybe I was listing things improperly, not tagging them correctly. And, you know, I started learning more about SEO and, and then I came to realize, you know what, it's a seasonal product. And so it it gave me, you know, a lot of time to do other things, but it was, it was great to understand that, you know, it was a seasonal thing because it would have been really easy to throw in the towel after months of no sales. 
And so you were just offering rosaries at that point, mainly for kind of first communions. Is that right? Right. Yeah. I started with just the rosaries and then that grew into the following year. I started creating um, single decade rosary bracelets. And what I did was I went to the school. One of the moms said, can you create this core, this class for the first communicants? And I said, sure, I could do that. So I, she showed me a picture of what she was looking for. And I went ahead and created this little class for the girls. And we, I would go there one Sunday and we would create these bracelets. And it was really sweet because their moms were able to attend the course, the class with them. And we created these bracelets. Um, and then I started offering those in the shop too. So it grew from just the rosaries to then the bracelets. And eventually, um, after several years of selling the bracelets, um, I did contact a large retailer and ask them if they were interested um, in selling the products. So that's kind of how I started that journey. Now with the bracelets, were these beads that you were buying wholesale or were you doing metal work or like how were you creating these rosaries and bracelets? Well, so people have the option of selecting um, gemstones. If they want a gemstone a rosary, you know, it could be pretty much anything or um, with the beads themselves. I was, I do order them wholesale. And, um, you know, the, the thing that's nice about the bracelets is I noticed I increased my sales when I started offering personalization. So I started saying, well, if you want, you can add a birthstone charm to the end of the bracelet or um, an initial. So really it helps people um, to feel like they're giving a more personalized gift. You know, anytime you can customize things. Now, I never grew up with um, like monogrammed things in my home. Like that just wasn't a thing for us. But I noticed the older I got, people had like monogrammed towels and monogrammed robes. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe this is a thing. <laughs> and so I started offering personalization. And my sales grew quite a bit from that point. So that's really the, the most I do in terms of like metalworking. Um, I do wire wrapping and stuff like that, but not, I'm not like, you know, casting metals or anything. Sure, sure, sure. But it's basically assembling these different curating, all the different beads and the components yes. to create this beautiful product. Mm -hmm. And so you began doing this. It sounds like you were doing this. Now, were, did you have a a full-time job outside the home as well, or this was something that you were doing, this was kind of your full focus? Yes. Yeah. Well, when I first, um, you know, had my son, I decided at that point, I just told myself some way or another, I'm not going back to work. You know, I want to be home with my kids. And um, really I, I kept trying doing different things. Like I, I said, like selling just kids clothes that we weren't keeping anymore on eBay or whatever. And I thought, well, I know you can probably do well with that, but it just didn't feel like my thing. So I kept looking and looking for things. And actually my mom had said, oh, you should make these bracelets and sell them at the store. And I'm thinking, well, how, like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> like what bracelets? She's like, I don't know. I go to the store and I see bracelets and they're handmade. And so I made a bracelet and then I thought, well, now what do I do with it? And it just, that was it. I never did anything with that idea. So fast forward to when the kids were in school and that whole gala event presented itself, I realized, you know, this is something I can do. I had the experience for my one bracelet that I made oh, yeah. and I realized I could do this. You know, this is something I can do. And I saw the demand there. So I, I thought this is something I'm just going to go ahead and, and try and see where it goes. Um, I, the whole hope was that I would make this my, 
my job, my career. Yeah. And you have, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then you said you went to a major retailer and mm -hmm. you asked them if they were interested in carrying this, which is a huge jump. Like, did you yes. go knock on the door? Did you email? Like, what? Did, uh, tell us, walk through this process. Sure. Yeah. So um, like I had mentioned, my mom had, uh, she's a huge fan of, of Von Mar. She loves the store. And for those that aren't familiar, it's sort of like a smaller Nordstrom. It's a family owned company. It's a really, really sweet store. And um, they are national. And she said, just why don't you just call them and see if they'll sell your I'm like, mom, I don't think people do that. I don't think you just call people, you know? So it literally took maybe like a year and a half, two years before I finally, it was late at night. And, you know, to be honest, I think an important part of the story is what held me back quite a bit was being afraid of writing the wrong email of not, mm -hmm. you know, my grammar being incorrect. I love commas and exclamation points and I could use them everywhere. And so I thought, well, what if this is like a horrible email? And, you know, it was just late at night and something just said, just do it. So I went ahead and I contacted them. I just looked up on their website um, you know, their contact information. And I wrote an email and, um, you know, I sat there and I thought, okay, well it's sent now what? And I went to bed and I don't think I slept at all, <laughs> but you know, a couple of days later I get an email and they're like, you know, you sent it to the wrong department, but let me forward it. And I thought, oh, thank heavens, they forwarded the email. The lady said, you know what? This sounds great. Send us a, a sample. And I thought that was just way too easy. So really that's how the relationship started. I, I sent them a sample of my pieces and they went ahead and placed an order for that year. And it was small at first, but you know, what, what happened was I started feeling a little worried because now I thought, now what do I do? Because I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> in terms of, I didn't, you know, they sent me this form that said, you know, this is, I, I mean, there's so many numbers and acronyms right, right. and I did not know on what, which way to turn. So I Googled just about everything. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I went ahead and sent them the first order. And then the next year, I think she asked me, the buyer asked me, could you send us a line sheet just to see what else you offer? And I thought, sure, I'll send a line sheet, whatever that is. So again, I'm Googling. Right. So I really feel like, you know, between my mom's encouragement and Google and the support of my husband, <laughs> it became a reality because really a lot of times when you start out, you do take a leap and you don't know, but at the same time, if you wait until, you know, you're never going to be ready, you know, it's, you're never going to be ready. So you might as well just, you know, do as much as you can to get yourself there and learn along the way. There's so many people that are willing to help too. Mm -hmm. And that story, you know, we love to hear these stories because it's the story that we wish would all happen, like mm -hmm. happen to all of us, but it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it is, it can be an uphill journey for people. I mean, it sounds like you just hit this serendipitous moment where you had the right, you know, product at the right time with the right person. And uh, that's amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge blessing, but I do feel that it, you know, I didn't just fall into it. I feel like I prepared by, first of all, having all of the, the years of doing this on my own and getting a lot of feedback and, you know, refining the process until I had a product I knew was just a, a good seller. It was doing really well. So, you know, had I just emailed them like years back when I had that first little bracelet that I made, it would have been a different story because I didn't really have a business. I didn't really have anything. I just had one bracelet that I had made. So I think the idea of preparing yourself for that moment really adds up to a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I hear that. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, uh, how many years have you been in that store? And are you in other stores now? So I'm in some small boutiques, um, and I am still there at Von Mar. And they do have another line that they asked me to carry for them. So they sent me images of what they were looking for. And that has expanded my um, my products with them, which is really great. But it's also made me realize, um, you know, you, you kind of don't know what you have until it's gone. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the business. But it's really interesting to go from a very seasonal business where you have many months that you're not technically working in your business to now having to extend that line to producing and shipping and being responsible all year long for that product. So it really has um, increased my workload, but, but it's, I mean, it's a blessing, you know, it's just that uh, you have to recognize sometimes having a seasonal business isn't the worst thing in the world. At first I always thought, well, geez, what are do I do, you know, to increase this? And now that I, you know, that has come true and I'm thinking, well, geez, <laughs> now how do I outsource a little bit? <laughs> Cause you do, yeah. you do crave that time off that you, that, you know, I used to have. And now you're, you're still manufacturing all of it yourself. I do have, um, I do hire out. I do have somebody that helps me locally and, you know, it is somewhat of a, a family project still. Um, especially when I get a large order, I do have, you know, a little hiccup was when I ordered pieces overseas and I started to tag them and they started falling apart. And I thought, Oh, this is horrible. You know, these are thousands of pieces, but I had no option other than to say, Hey, you know, I need help. And I had somebody string everything and I had to remake all the pieces because I can't risk the relationship. And you know, you just have to do what you have to do. And so now I'm back in contact with these, with the manufacturer and seeing what we can do. And if not, I know I need to just keep looking, but you're just going to have those moments. Um, so that's why it's really helpful to have at least a, a team of a few people that can help because if, you know, you have, a t- a, when something blows up, you have, you have to have somebody to help out. Um, and you have to just be prepared to have these long hours, but yeah, it is mostly myself still packaging and sending everything off. Um, I do have part of my line is created overseas for me. And then I do have somebody here locally that helps, but, you know, I just need to grow this at a pace where I can handle and, and not hire too many people that are just sitting idle. Sure. Sure. Of course. Um, Willow and B, where did you come up with this name? So it's um, my, my favorite tree is a willow tree. I've always loved the, the branches. They seem like a mom to me, you know, always hovering over. And uh, my kids used to play in my mother-in-law's um, willow tree all the time under the branches. And, you know, my daughter and son and I, anytime we were in a car, we would say, oh, there's a willow tree. And of course there's fights in the back about who spotted it first and whatever. So um, I've always liked that name, the, the willow tree. And my daughter in particular always helps me and she's just so busy, always like a little busy bee. And so somehow the two names came together and I said, hey, Nadia, what about willow and bee? She's like, I like it. So that's how we came up with it. That is so fun. Very fun. Um, you seem like such a sweet person. Like you seem like, just like, uh, like super nice. Like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that's like, just, you've always been this super nice person. Oh, thank you, David. Yeah. You know, I try to be, I feel like the hardest part, especially when you're starting in business is 
uh, it feels lonely and it feels like there isn't a lot of answers out there for you. And it feels scary, you know, to take that leap. And what I'm trying to do is just be a little bit more vulnerable about the realities of things that um, people encounter, you know, especially um, since English was not my first language. And I don't know if I think I must have zoned out a lot in school. So I feel like a lot of those things that held me back in the past were things like I mentioned before, like, am I going to write this properly? Am I going to word this correctly? So my husband is always my proofreader and, you know, somewhat editor for me. But at the same time, I thought, you know what, there's no shame in getting Grammarly. I'm not saying it's the fix all, but yeah, but there's, you know, I can sit here and always worry about, you know, how are things going to turn out? Or I can just do things and then, you know, use an edit if I have to or whatever. And so, yeah, so I think the more real you are, the more honest you are about things, um, it helps people to not feel so alone and as if you've got it all figured out. Cause that's always hard to uh, seek advice from somebody who feels like they have it all together, you know, and then you feel like, well, I'm going to look really silly or whatever. So I think it's just important to, to be genuine. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what other languages do you speak? Uh, Spanish. <laughs> and I learned French in high school, but you know, that's one that's just not stuck very well (laughs) since I don't use it regularly. And I was trying to learn Italian for our trip to Italy last year. That never happened. So Uh, maybe, maybe this year we'll go and I'll keep trying to learn. Grew up speaking Spanish. Yes. Yeah. That was my first language. Wow. Okay. I mean, you have like zero accent at all. Like that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I have an older brother. So I think that helped um, between the two of us. We always spoke English to one another and then we spoke Spanish to my parents. So I feel like that really helped. And then, of course, TV was always in English and everything else really was in English. So, you know, now I, I think my Spanish is pretty good, but there are some things that I speak Spanish like in the in terms of what we learned at home. So okay. when I was a, a banker back in the day, I could not speak mortgages <laughs> in Spanish. Oh, yeah, I just thought, yeah. oh, these are words I never learned at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. My wife yeah. speaks Spanish and she actually, when she started teaching um, kindergarten, she taught in Spanish. Like she taught them how to read, write, do math in Spanish. That was back in the day in California where that was kind of a thing. Right. And um, so her Spanish, you know, I'll try to get her to engage with something. And she's like, I don't know that word. Like that's just too, <laughs> like, it's too, it's a different category. Like you said, like mortgage yes. or something like, I don't know. Yes. That. Right. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I love that you've done is that in an effort to help people grow in their own businesses and not feel alone, you've launched a podcast mm-hmm. and um, kind of your own blog slash podcast. Tell me, I mean, I just assume the reason why you did it. I mean, help me understand exactly why you did it and what that's all about for you. How that, how that kind of goes along with the business, because that's like, it could be a business in and of itself. You know, right. it's a lot of work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 It is a lot of work. Uh, you know, the idea behind the podcast was I have several people that have asked and they'll have questions about how to start an online business or, um, some of the conversations that I've had also are, you know, somebody who maybe is in a multi-level marketing type position, 
you know, they, they asked me like, well, how do you start your own business? Because I feel like the important thing to remember is when you have your own business, you know, at the end of the day, 10 years later, 15 years later, you could sell it if it's yours. But if you're working for somebody else and you're investing all this time, energy, money, or if you're just, you know, market, um, um, what, what did I just say there? <laughs> level marketing, like yes. direct sales. Yeah, yeah. direct sales. You yeah. know, you can't, you can't like up and sell that in right. 10 years from now. So my point is why not invest that time into something that's completely yours? And after having people ask me, I thought, you know what, why not inspire others with the stories of how people get started? And really part of that stems from the idea that a lot of the people that have asked me like, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I have a jewelry business. And, you know, they kind of look at it as um, like a cute hobby of mine. And I think, well, you know, I'm making like pretty decent money from it. So, but, but I think for whatever reason, people still think of, of women crafting or like people in the arts as something that you do on the side. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of great stories out there personally that I've heard of that you really show that you can take a person and uh, teach them how to make something or they enjoy doing something. And then they take that passion and grow it into a successful business, you know, like say Mrs. Fields, like that was one of the first stories I ever heard that really inspired me as a young girl to realize that, you know, it's possible to take something as simple as baking cookies and make an empire out of it. And I feel like if you could motivate somebody and teach somebody how to do this on their own, you can teach them how to replicate that process over and over and over. So that's the whole point is to inspire people, to give them actionable tips, and then also um, interviewing experts that have already learned the shortcuts that can help to just minimize the time lost in trying to figure it out on your own. Because as a business owner, you've got so many things you're doing. It's just so important to to hear those experts and to take the shortcuts when possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Handmade CEO podcast. Yes. I didn't mention the name. Of course, we'll have all the links to, um, you know, everything in our show notes, but, yes. um, and you like, was that a comfortable transition from adding, you know, from, you know, creating your own, um, jewelry to now like becoming a podcast host, was that comfortable for you or was that stretching? Oh yeah. That's a stretch. <laughs> I feel like I've always been a a pretty strong introvert, you know, and I'm not a out there. I don't put myself out there often. It always feels to me like when you have to post on social media or get on a a podcast or do a video or even take pictures, it it always feels very like you're sharing too much information. So I always thought, you know, I would love to maybe write a book. It was the idea was write a book and then be done with it. But the more I heard podcasts, I thought, you know, this is such a great way to reach people that maybe would not have the time to sit down and read a whole book. And really, if somebody wants to do more investigating on the one topic that we might have touched on, then they can dive deeper into that. But it's so neat to have a medium that can be consumed. You know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. It's not a massive commitment for the listener. You can do it while while you're walking, you know, it's it while you're doing chores. So, um, I loved that whole part of it, but no, it, it, it felt uncomfortable at first, but it it almost felt like it's something that if I didn't do this, I would really be disappointed. And I had read a book a while ago and I remember, um, the, the message was not to, 
die with that song stuck in your heart, you know, like to go ahead and sing it, to go ahead and try it. Otherwise, you know, how will that look later on for myself? How will I look at, look back at my life and say, did I, did I try, did I do anything? And I thought, you know, if I could teach one person, two people, three people to go ahead and just take that leap and try a small business that could have huge impact for the rest of not just their life, but generationally. Wow. That's huge. So yeah. this idea of sharing, like, feel like you all might be sharing too much. I have clients that feel that way. They're like, ah, social media is not their thing. And they feel like, I don't want to share too much about my life. Like how, how do you, how did you, how do you process that? Well, so I started looking at it the same way as I started to view things more of the way I feel as a consumer. So when I am on social media, I'm reading about my, you know, whether it's a mentor or whoever it is that I follow, I read all these things that they post and I don't ever say to myself, oh, they're sharing way too much, you know, or I don't ever say, geez, this is like the second post I've seen today. So I thought, well, what would make it any different for, for me to be posting if it's not, you know, uh, like a bragging post or, you know, if it's something truly where you're serving, I don't feel that anyone's going to look at it and feel like you're sharing too much information. And I feel like it helps to have a plan. If you know what you want to post and how often you want to post, I feel like that helps because now I'm only filling out the things that I'm supposed to do for the week. And it doesn't feel anymore like I'm just scrambling to, to put something out there. But that's something that, you know, I'm still learning how to work on. Um, yeah, I feel like right now, especially since it's my busy season, it's hard to stay consistent with those things. But it's definitely something that I feel everybody needs to do because your, your content isn't seen by everybody on every platform all of the time. So that's very true. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. better just to put something out there. Otherwise your things won't ever get seen. And what's the point of creating if you're just not going to like as a person who creates content or a person that creates a product, you know, a lot of times we make these things and then they just sit there never seen again. So it, it, you need to kind of be a promoter more than, you know, a creator. Like you almost have to create as much content as you create pieces. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, most people that get into business, they get into it because they like whatever it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I tell them, I go, you actually, no matter what business you got in, you got in the business of marketing. Like you yes. are like, that's what you do. Like, yes, you make jewelry, but you're a marketer. Like that's mm -hmm. what, cause without that, nobody's going to buy the jewelry. Exactly. Yeah. Very true. And I think that getting over that feeling is just, uh, just try and look at it the way that you see yourself as a consumer. You know, if, if you don't feel, yeah, if you don't feel like, you know, you're being bombarded by too much information from other people, chances are people aren't viewing you the same way. Yeah. Now you've had a chance to utilize Rise Up Creatives a bit. Yes. What has been your experience with that as a resource? Yeah. So I just started using it and I love, love, love that. Like I mentioned, everything is already um, you have options. So you don't have to like worry about what things am I going to post? You can pre-select like a whole month in, in advance. What I like is that in one of the tutorials, you mentioned, Hey, these are things to start with. Let's do the important holidays and then maybe any launches or big events for your business. So I like that thought process because as a creator of jewelry, 
I didn't really study the marketing aspect. So to me, it always felt like, well, do I just show people how I make jewelry all day long? <laughs> like I just didn't understand the process. And through the Rise, Rise Up Creative um, program, I'm able to see, oh wait, you know what? There's so many options for what you can post. And rarely is it just product-based. It's not about my products. It's really more about who I am, why I'm creating and the things that I'm putting out to the world. And I love that it takes the all the question out of it for me. It's just been super helpful. And the pictures are beautiful. So it's been really great. And like I said, I'm just now diving into it. So I can't wait to like really, you know, plan out a, a long time frame. And then I don't have to worry about it. I can almost just set it, you know, on autopilot and just check in and fill in the gaps where I need to. I love it. That's so good. Yeah. Um, what is your next step in terms of your business or life you've got willow and b you've got handmade ceo um what do you feel like is next for you so with willow and b i want to do um i'm creating um a subscription box so what i would like to do and i haven't figured out the exact details yet but it would be um i think a quarterly box and i'm even thinking there could be one that is just tailored to first communions because there's so many things that go into um, that big day and so i could easily create something that would help alleviate some of the stress of finding all the little parts and pieces that go into that you know first communion day so that's one of the ideas. And then the subscription box would, of course, be, um, you know, maybe for older, um, maybe people like my age, women of my age, or I could even do one for old, little girls, um, old, old women. Yeah, you're so old. <laughs> but the, with the idea, too, is um, with the will and be the pieces that I do create for the little girls for the first communion pieces. What I like about that is that in the classes that we have, um, they're able to create a piece that they're so proud of. Like usually girls can be super creative. They create things, but you know, it doesn't look, I think the way that they envision it because they don't have the ability to create, um, you know, in that way. So with the kits, everything comes predetermined for them. And so they're really proud of what they've made. Um, and one of the biggest things I struggled with when my daughter was younger was, you know, are they putting things in their mouth? Is it safe for them to be wearing these pieces? So I would love to offer a box just for girls that age that would be safe and also have quality pieces in there, you know, sterling silver, things that, that are not bad for them to be wearing um, and nicer pieces. Maybe they could wear these things for Easter holidays, um, you know, things like that. I could envision you um, shooting a video of like teaching the class, right? Because you're saying they're ordering these kits. Like you could have a, yeah. a you know, at a, at a church of 15 kids that are all participating and you're leading the video tutorial up front. Yes. That yeah. Be, that would be great. Yeah. So I'm doing that for this year's first communion class only because we can't get together right now. Um, so I, the hard part is then I need to take the kits and complete them because I've got the special pliers to complete them. Uh, okay. But, um, but I'm wondering if I couldn't do something where it would be more of a stretchy band that they could tie, you know, I think that would be possible, but yeah, that's the, that's the hope is to, you know, encourage these little girls to be creative and to make something that they enjoy wearing. And the beauty of it is that this bracelet usually can be worn from second grade all the way through. Uh, graduation. So I've had people send me pictures. I've been doing this long enough now where the girls have worn their bracelets for first communion and second grade, and then they wear it again 
um, for graduation because it has an extension chain. So it's really, really neat to see that one piece has been this, um, you know, beautiful thing that they've worn over and over. That's so fun. And how about mm -hmm. the podcast? Where do you see that going? With the podcast, my hope is to create courses to help people to get out of their own way and just go ahead and try it. Sometimes you have questions and that's what prevents you from taking the leap. So I already have um, a mini course that I started. I have to just actually put it you know, together and, and out into the world. And it's really the three simple things you must do uh, before you kick off you know, your small business. And they're very simple things like, you know, testing the market and making sure if it's a product-based um, business that you have really great pictures, because ultimately that's what sells your, um, your products. You know, you don't have the ability to touch and feel and see these products. And, um, you know, I think I want to grow that a little bit more because video is becoming even more important these days and every single person out there is using video. So I would love to grow the Handmade CEO brand to something where it's, um, you know, it's recognizable and that people can trust and know that the course that's being offered is going to really provide, uh, you know, all the information they need to take the next step. Hmm. I think about one last question, um, circling back to Etsy, because my guess is you probably don't sell on Etsy anymore because you have your own website. Um, but I have some clients that are kind of making that transition from Etsy to their own website. Like what are the pros and cons of Etsy versus your own website? Yeah. So actually I do still sell on Etsy okay. and I'm, yeah. And I'm also on Amazon handmade. Um, the way I see it is I have the ability to reach those clients as well as the Amazon clients. And for those people that find me through Google search, or if they see my products at Bon Mar and want to know if I offer other things, you know, they might find me on my own page. Um, the biggest benefits I feel to selling on a platform is that you have the visibility and the amount that you're paying for that visibility is very, very small. So you aren't putting out major massive ads to have a whole lot of people looking at your products. Um, I have heard that one of the cons is that if you pull up a bracelet, you pull up first communion bracelet, you know, maybe you find mine and then down below, you're going to see others like it that don't belong to my shop. And I was actually having this conversation with my sister because she's going to launch her Etsy shop. And she said, yes, but don't you share the, you know, the, the views then? And I said, yes, but here's the thing. Somebody could look up mugs because she makes these really cute mugs and they might find yours down below. So it works both ways. And so if you're worried that, you know, maybe someone's going to not see your product because they're looking at, you know, down below at the other suggested products, right. you might also be one of the suggested products at some right. point. So it works both ways. In the beginning, I also only looked at it that way that, well, it's a negative because you know they're showing my competitors, but now I see it as even more visibility because I'm not paying for ads. So somebody that pays for ads could then you know have an ad and now my picture comes up down below. So it, it really does work both ways. And, um, I would say that's the one of the biggest problems with selling on a large platform is that you are sharing the views. The other thing is um, you need to be, be aware that you're not growing your own email list. So those clients are Etsy's customers and the clients on Amazon are Amazon's customers. 
So the idea is that you need to find a way to create an email list where maybe you offer a coupon and in order for them to receive the coupon, they need to sign up to your email list, they get the coupon, now they can go ahead and proceed to Etsy. Um, I just think it's important that way if you have a launch, you can go ahead and send your brand new product to all your email list clients and um, not to say that it would happen, but it's it does. If for some reason you receive negative feedback or there's any issue and Etsy decides to close your shop, which I've heard of happening, now you're you're you know at square zero, you're square one, you're you're back to you know you're in the negative because you don't have any um, customer base. All your customers lived there on Etsy or Amazon. So I think it's super important to start an email list where you can reach these clients. Um, I'm not saying to take them off of the platform, but I just believe it's important for you to, you know, I always like to put a little card that thanks the, the clients. I handwrite a thank you for them. And, you know, on there is my own site. And if they want coupons or whatever for my page, they can go ahead and visit that site. So I'm not saying to do anything that's, you know, tricky in any way, but I do think it's important to do that because, you know, like I said, if for some reason they decide to do something where now your clients aren't available to you, you really have to start from square one. Right. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've got Willow and B B E E B E E. Yes. I yeah. said that right. Uh, com and handmadeceo.com, which are just two great URLs. And we'll put all the links to um, your social media and all the things in the show notes. So Maria, thank you so much for just sharing your story and your wisdom. You, you have just, uh, you've shared so much great wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, David. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity.